Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. My name is Britt. I am one of the pastors. And if I haven't met you yet, I am looking forward to doing that soon. And I get to finish our series. We've been in a series in our lead up to Easter. Can you believe we're only a couple of weeks out? And usually at Easter, we spend time focusing on Jesus, understanding that gospel story, recognizing who he is, maybe discovering new parts of him. And so that's what we've been doing. Um, but before we move on into that, I just had a real sense this morning. As Mark shared, there were people here earlier praying for every seat in this room. And I just had a real sense to share. I'm not sure who this is for, but there might be someone in this room who needs to hear this morning that you have a place. That seat has been prayed for you and you have a place here and you have worth and value because of who Jesus is. And you are so welcome here this morning in this family. We're family here at Red Church. We all follow Jesus and in Jesus' name we are united. So I just want to pray that before I begin. Just had yeah, a real sense that was specifically for someone here. But let's, pray. let's all pray as a family. As we enter into God's word, may his word be sent out and bring forth glory to him. So Lord Jesus, we come before you as sons and daughters, and we thank you for your presence here. How good it has been to give you praise and glory this morning. Thank you that you see us, that you know us, and that you love every part of us, and that we find meaning and place in you. May you awaken our hearts and minds this morning to hear your word afresh. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified. Amen. So, our series, we have been looking at the different offices of Jesus. So they are prophet, priest, king, which has been fantastic. We started looking at priest um, a number of weeks ago, and I'm just going to remind you, you can always go back and listen to the sermons, which which are worth, you know, reviewing and kind of going through to get that bigger picture. But let me just do a little quick rehash for you. Um, So priest, what is priest? The priest in the Old Testament is meant to be that mediator between God and his people. That's what they were designed to do. The priests, the Levites, were the mediators between God and the people. Moses was the first to kind of initiate that. The Holy Spirit went across the Levites, and then they were in the temple, in the tabernacle with God, talking to God, mediating between God and his people. You see throughout the biblical narrative, however, things go wrong. And by the time you get to the New Testament, the priests have somewhat distorted the law to benefit themselves and made it so complex to get to God when actually the opposite was meant to be the case. The law was meant to draw people to God. And so there's this this change. And even today, when we think about priests, there's a sense in which we desire people to be our go-between, people to stand in the gap for us, people to look to to do that. And I I'm careful when I say this one because I realize it's important to have people that inspire us in our faith and lead us in that place. And it's good to read about these people that had strong faith, like the saints of the age. But we also can have that same faith if we put ourselves before God, not just using others' faith, but actually our own and coming before him. What does it mean? Second one, we did. Prophet. We looked at the prophet. And the prophet is called to speak out God's word and is to be shaped by it. We talked about not just someone who declares what God's word is, but actually lives it. 
That's what the prophets were meant to do. And you see that in the Old Testament, but you also see some of the ways they get that wrong and slightly editing what God might have said. Moses striking the rock when God had not asked him to. Really subtle things, but God wants his word to go out and to be as he has said it. And so we're meant to be prophets as well. But today, how many voices do we have in the culture not leading us to Christ but to other things. We are shaped by the crowd and culture far more easily sometimes than we are by the word of God. We've gone astray. Finally, the third one, king. Mark spoke about this last week. The kings in the Old Testament are designed to usher God's rule and reign, bringing order over chaos. That is what they're designed to do, to rule in a way that honors the other, that brings that order back, From the beginning of creation, when Adam and Eve fell, the order kind of went out of alignment there and God raises humanity to bring it back, to bring that sense of God's rule. But as you see in the Old Testament as well, particularly in the book of Kings, goodness me, king after king after king, kind of get it wrong. Mark shared last week about Ahab. What did he do? He actually shirked his responsibility. He removed himself as king. It was too hard. It cost too much. And let someone else take that for him. And today, we can do the same sometimes. Not hold responsibility for what we've been given. Not <laughs> Mark talked about we have a domain. We have a sphere of influence. And sometimes we step away from that afraid. Whereas God calls us forward to be kings and queens of his kingdom. That or we like to rule in our own ways. So we read the Old Testament. We see these images. We look to them. We hope for them. And today it's the same. We are still seeking those things. We are called to be them, but there's, there's gaps in us. There's gaps in society and the culture. And so we're leaving or we're wanting something to answer this. And that's what happens at the old, in the end of the Old Testament. I shared a couple of weeks ago, it's kind of like it leaves a silhouette to be filled Moses comes, but he's not quite right fit as a prophet. King David comes. He's pretty close, but then he falls. He doesn't fit that silhouette. And person after person comes, but they don't fill it out. There's something that's not quite right. And then Jesus arrives. Jesus arrives, and we see him fulfilling these roles. This is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. He comes as a prophet, as the priest, as the king, and we see that throughout the Gospels. As he speaks God's word and things are changed, lives are transformed, lives are raised from the dead, just at a word. He takes on so much. He leads. He is a holy man. He stands in the gap as priest. And also he rules as king in the gospels. You can see his authority. And yet the people in the New Testament were still like, I really know who Jesus is though. I'm looking for someone this, he, he looks like this at some points. When he's in the synagogue, he's, he's you know, proclaiming these amazing things. Then he's out on the street and he's having meals with tax collectors. Who is he? Is he priest? Is he the prophet? Is he, you know, they're asking these questions. And I feel like sometimes we actually have a similar approach to Jesus. How do you see him right now? Who is Jesus to you right now? Maybe you're here today and you're actually trying to figure that out. I've heard about him but I don't really know who he is. I want to look at a passage that puts us in the exact same place. 
We are just like the disciples who've been following Jesus for a while, have seen many things he's done. He's fulfilled so many of these silhouettes, but they're still not sure because what they understood of who the Messiah was meant to be, this person who would come and fulfill these spots, is not quite working out how they imagined. So let's look at the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 16, we'll get a couple of verses there. So Jesus has been hanging out with the disciples. They've been doing a bunch of stuff already. So they've already built that relationship. They've witnessed the kingdom. They've witnessed God at work through Jesus. And then they're, um, they're on the way to Caesarea Philippi. And so it's just a conversation, a conversation that's being had. So let's jump in. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? The Son of Man is one of Jesus' titles. And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They're trying to fit him into that silhouette. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? He's asking his disciples, who do you say I am? You're hearing these things, you're seeing them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this, is what not, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by the, my Father in heaven. Just jump down a few verses. Verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Simon Peter gets it right. You are the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. You are the man that fills that silhouette. You are prophet, priest, and king, and you come as Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And yet Jesus is really clear. He says, yes, Peter, you're right. But let me tell you how I have come and what I have come to do and how I live out those different offices. He talks about suffering, that he's come to suffer and to serve. He's echoing something of the past, something that they would know. Later on in Mark, um, the other, one of the other Gospels, Jesus says really clearly, for the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The disciples are asking, who are you? As Messiah, who are you? And he says, I am a servant. I am Messiah, the servant. All of these offices, all of these mantles actually come together like threads being plaited together as servant. That is how Jesus expresses his priestly call as a prophet and as a king. They are all designed to serve the other. Servant is so much a part of who Jesus is. And what's linked to that? His sonship. Peter said, you are Messiah and you are the son of the living God. Sonship and service. And we see this at his baptism. If we go back a little bit, we've been hanging out with the disciples along the road as they ask this question. But if we go back, when Jesus is baptized and he begins his ministry, you'll see this beautiful relationship between sonship and service immediately. So he comes out of the water in the baptism and God says, this is my beloved son. 
whom I love. He speaks that over him. And in the Old Testament and in that tradition and in that culture, the first son gets the inheritance, right? They are handed the inheritance. We read about this throughout the Old Testament. And so God is saying so much in this statement, you are my son, I give you my kingdom, my authority, my power, my love, my character, my nature, it is all yours. This is my son. Immediately after this happens, after he's baptized, Jesus is led by the Spirit and goes out into the wilderness, led by the Spirit. When you're a servant, you serve someone else. You honor someone else. He has just been called God's son, and now he is serving God, being led by the Holy Spirit and going out into the wilderness. And if you read that passage, there's a lot in there, but he basically encounters the enemy. And it's almost like a replay of Genesis. If you remember Genesis and what happens with Adam and Eve, it's like a little replay of that, but Jesus and the enemy. And you see his three mantles come out. If you read the passage, it's in Matthew 4. 1 to 11, we won't read it all, but I'll just highlight a few things. It says in verse 2, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the enemy comes to God, uh, to Jesus. That's his priestly role. He's a holy man. He's been fasting and seeking and interceding and praying. That's that first part of his mantle. The second one, prophet. The enemy says to him, hey, if you're the son of God, if you claim to be who you say you are, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Prophet, no, this is the word of God, and I stand on it, and I live by it, and it's the truth. Final one, king. We see this come out. Satan's tried a couple of times. This is kind of like his third, third round of like, maybe I'll get him on this one. He takes him up to a high place and he's like, check this out. Look at all of this. I will give you all of this if you will just bow down and follow me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He knew his place as servant and he knew the authority that he held as the servant of the living God. He uses his kingship, his kingship to say, no, I serve a greater God. I do not need your help. I already have the authority of the kingdom. There is nothing that can outdo that. Away from me, Satan. So we see Jesus serving in those three ways immediately after he's been called the son of the living God. Sonship and service, they go together. Richard Foster says, that people naturally crave a mediator, a priest, a holy man or woman, someone to stand between them and God. But in Christ, we have a mediator who is not only human but divine, not only a priest but a king, not only a mediator but a sacrifice. Christ is the mediator for all people and we need no other. So as we sit here this morning and we come to understand who Jesus is, as you know him as prophet, as he speaks to you and you sense that change, you can feel the kingdom and God's authority, that pathos we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Or maybe you encounter him in his kingship and you can only but bow before him and sense in awe and wonder who he is. Or maybe you come before him and you say, please, Lord Jesus, 
as priest and high king, please take my sin and this shame from me because I don't want to live that way. This is what he's called to do. This is what Richard Foster is talking about. He, we need no other. That silhouette has been filled. That is Jesus. And he is constantly coming to us in that way. Prophet, priest, king. And he comes to serve us. What a gift. He is servant. That silhouette is drawn as servant. And ultimately, his greatest act of service is his death and resurrection, standing in the gap for us. He is restoring humanity to their former place. As Adam and Eve began, we talks about in the scriptures, he is like the first one, like the Adam. Adam is like the first one of humanity. Jesus replaces that and he brings back those calls for us to be prophets, priests, and kings. But you know what? You're never more like Jesus than when you serve. That is when you look most like him. That is when you sound most like him. When you are servant. The work of Jesus lays basis for us to step into that again, to become servants for God, for the church, and for the world. Do you know that is your highest calling, to be a servant? Remember, we follow a God who is great and he is alive now, and our faith holds so many paradoxes. (laughs) Servant is the highest calling If you read about it in the Gospels, Jesus talks about this over and over again. Those who are last will be first. You are a servant. That is your call. And you've been given the same mantle. We are different to Jesus, but we are called in a similar way. We have a sonship or a daughtership. And we are called to service. It says in Galatians 4, 4 4-7, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir That is who you are. That is who you are. No matter where you've come from today, you are a son or daughter of the king. And he stands before you and he says, I give you my kingdom, give you my authority, and I also call you to serve. I speak to you as my servants, as my beloved children. We hold the same sonship and service. There's that sense of inheritance and purpose, both coming together. And sometimes we we struggle with this. There's so much in the Bible that talks talks about us being like Christ, Christ Christ-likeness. Do you know Christians means little Christs? That's what we're meant to be. But the thing is, we can't become him, can we? There's a reason he is separate. He has definition. He is the son of God. And he is different to us, but we're called to be like him. What does that mean? 
We are called to reflect him, to give glory to him. Do you know all creation is designed to do that? If you read that in Psalm 19, it's beautiful. But the difference for us as humanity is we consciously choose it as well. We are made in the image of God. Remember that line in Genesis? We are made in the image of God. We're meant to reflect God just as the moon reflects the sun. And so there's this sense in which there's a likeness to Christ, but we don't become him. He is severed for a reason. In Galatians 4, further on, it says, My children, for whom I am in gain in pains of childbirth, this is Paul writing, until Christ is formed in you. Christ is formed in you. It's God's work to form Christ in you, not our work to try and make ourselves like Christ. Let's travel back to the garden. Remember the last time we tried to be like God? Didn't really work out. <laughs> Let's not do that. So what is our work? Our work is to die to self, to let go of their self-images of where we want to be king or queen, or where we try and rule with our mouths in the way that we speak, or where we respond in retaliation rather than in service as priests and as mediators. Actually, we need to drop those and not distort the mantle God has given us as daughters and sons, but actually allow him to reclaim that and teach us what does it mean to be a priest, a prophet, and a king for his kingdom. His work is that place of transformation we don't know how. He uses that same breath that he breathed to create you, to create humanity, to bring and restore that. It kind of reminds me that work of Christ in us, becoming more like Christ. Bear with me here, it's a bit of a change, but imagine a sunrise. Christ brings light into the darkness. And when a sun rises, it only begins to kind of show a part of, imagine sitting on a mountain, only a part of the landscape before you. But as time goes on, it continues to kind of roll over mountains and dip into water and highlight and reflect off trees as it gets higher and higher. And that's what it's like to be changed into Christ's likeness. It touches different parts of you and reveals more of his glory, more of his creation, and more of you is covered to be reflective of who Christ is. And just like a sunrise, you know when you're sitting there, maybe you haven't seen the landscape yet, you've woken up bleary-eyed and being like, oh, I'm going to go see the sunrise. Hopefully it'll be great. You're tired and you sit there, and then you sit in awe and wonder as different things are revealed that you had not seen yet because it had been too dark. And God loves doing this in us. It's like this joyful moment for him where he's like, oh, now you see how I made you. Now you see that deep, deep river that runs through your soul that I placed there because I knew that that would bring you joy and delight and that it will bring others and draw them to me. Christ's likeness is like the sun that reveals more of who we are and who God is. We are made in his image. So what is our role? To allow him to do it, to trust him to bring light to those places we've never seen or known before and trust that it is good. And ultimately what happens when we allow that to happen, we become the silhouette that Jesus then stands in and is made known. We are his hands and feet. This is what you hear in the Gospels. That silhouette is fulfilled as we offer our lives to be filled by Christ, to look like him. And so we go out as priests. And the mantle as the priests is that we are called to live a life of holiness. 
We are called to live a life of holiness. And one of the ways that we do that, our service as priests, is intercession. What is intercession? It is literally standing in the gap on behalf of someone, praying that they would encounter God, praying for his kingdom to come over their life, not your life, over their life. You are interceding on behalf of them, whether they can say it or not. Do you know something I've heard that really stirred me on this is parents, your ability and your opportunity as priests to intercede for your children, to pray for them when they don't know how to cry out to God yet, to pray life and light over them. That is intercession, that they would know Christ, that they would love him and they would serve him no matter what the age. We are called to be intercessors. That is how we serve and that is the mantle that we come with. All of our service is for the other. Intercession is always for the other. That's the first one. Second one, prophet. We are bearers of truth. We carry the truth with us. We are armoured. We carry that armor like in Ephesians 6. The word of the spirit is the sword. We are bearers of truth. We speak it out. We stand by it. We are shaped by it. And so we are called to be prophets and to serve in this way, to live lives that reflect God's truth. And do you know what? It will cost sometimes. Jesus, how did he explain himself? I am the suffering servant. We are following a Jesus suffered. And so it makes sense that this is not going to be easy. When you're a prophet, if you read in the Old Testament, they weren't loved all the time. But because you love God and you believe in the kingdom and you are called to be a bearer of truth, you stand tall and strong and you speak that truth out, sometimes in words and sometimes by your life. We are called to be prophets, to serve the others so that others may see the truth and the truth may set them free right? Yeah. Okay, final one. King. You as king. Mark spoke about this last week. We are designed to carry this mantle to rule with kingdom authority. The authority is given to us. This is not something we have to conjure up or work hard at. Holy Spirit empowers you to live in the kingdom. He empowers you with the kingdom. It is his work and his power. We are the vessel. We are the silhouette. But how do we step into that? How do we honour that? Our service is by taking responsibility and stewarding God's godly influence. Where has God placed you? What influence do you have in your workplace, family, in the neighbourhood you're in, in the spheres you're in? And how are you using that to serve the other? Isn't it incredible? This one blows my mind the most. Lord Jesus is king of all. He is king of all creation, and he comes and takes that kingship. Kings were designed to be honoured, to be heralded, and he bows before you. He calls us to do the same. The beauty and the love and the power of knowing the King Lord Jesus. We are also called to bow before others and honour them, no matter what may happen in that. Jesus did that throughout the Gospels, even to those who killed him. Forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. And so as we take on all of these, as we learn what it means to be like Christ, as kings, queens, as priests, as prophets, let's remember that our highest calling, and they all come together, as servant. 
We are serving something greater than ourselves. It immediately means that there is someone greater that we are honouring and glorifying and trusting. How much trust does a servant require? The outcome of our service is not in our hands, but we actually know the end of the story, which is kind of great, right? And so as we understand this, as we grow through that process of death to self and allow God to raise stuff in us, that brings greater definition as we serve over and over again with our hands, as we pick other people up and honour them in that way, as we serve meals to people, as we offer them a drink of water, the simplest things, as we speak truth over our children and over our family and friends, as we stand for God's truth, and as we act as kings and queens and declare God's order over the domains we've been given and lead under his leadership, that silhouette gets greater definition time and time again, and God, Jesus, may reflect in us even greater ways. That is your highest calling, to serve him. Why don't you stand? Isn't it incredible to spend like a bunch of weeks looking at Jesus, honouring him, understanding him, I really pray this morning that something has been revealed to you of who he is. And if it hasn't yet, then it'll happen right now. I just really sense that we can just spend some time with him in this moment. As Mark shared, there's a lot going on in the world right now. God is on the move and he is looking for a people who will serve him. I think we're going to say it probably a lot. Revival and renewal happens in a people. You are God's people. And as you serve him, he can move in and through you in greater ways. And that's actually what renewal and revivals are, when his spirit comes and moves in great ways. Let's be servants of him. So let me pray. As we hold that and as we accept that calling, please join me. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate servant, that you teach us what it means to be a servant as priest, to absorb all those things, to stand in the gap and allow you to change that to life just as you did, as you absorbed all of sin and all of death and rose again. May you teach us how to do that in smaller ways by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you empower these people, Lord Jesus. And Holy Spirit, may you empower them to lead as kings and queens in the places you've given them influence for your glory. May you teach them what it means to walk with that authority. And Lord Jesus, may you empower them, us as your people, to be prophets who stand for truth, no matter the cost. May you awaken this in us. May your words come alive in us. And as we speak, then may we see your kingdom established for your glory. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are servant king. We follow you and we love you. May you teach us first and foremost to serve. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.